0: The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. So, in last night's sharing, one of you um, mentioned the, that it's a little bit easier this year uh, on this retreat to just let things be, to, to 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 be with experience, to to just let it happen rather than trying to fix or change um, but just to, to notice it and um, that brought into into my mind kind of the the language of be with and um, just wanted to speak about that and speak about how we language our practice um, the way we talk about our practice internally can affect how we are with our experience because language is so powerful. And so I have found my, in my own um, practice that sometimes I have the language of being with experience and sometimes looking at experience. And the, um, if, we, if we explore the possibility of being with and, and sometimes just encouraging myself, okay, can I be with this? Can I be with this? Rather, can I look at this? Um, the look at to me and, and partly this has something to do potentially with my um, the, the, the capacity of my mind that does the investigation you know it kind of does this like you know teasing things apart and, and so the, the, um, the that tends to in my experience and this is for me again you know so look in your own experience uh, when I'm using the language look at it brings in the habit of doing a little bit it doesn't have to and I've seen that there are times when the mind can be looking at things and it's just how the mind is engaged with the experience or the mind can be with the experience and that is just how the mind is is engaged with the experience but for me there is that there's a distinction in the experience of it and I described it at one point to Sayadaw Utejaniya when I when I really clearly saw because he asked me at one point what is the experience for you when the mind is clear, you know what you know when when the mind is clear, and I discovered these very two different perspectives that felt quite different, um, and one was the sense of um, knowing experience, and it felt like there was a separation, like there was there was an observer and something observed. So it felt like a looking at, almost. And, and this d- did not have to have any kind of a doing or any kind of a selfing involved, but it was just a, it was just a way of experiencing where, where the mind was, was uh, kind of having, it, it felt like a sense of separation. Like that there was an observer here and something being observed. So it had that sense of separation. And the other, the way I described it was, felt like being with and it almost felt like being inside of the experience. No separation. So we're just uh, kind of the the inner landscape of the experience being known rather than a separation from the experience. So I sometimes use this gesture of, of separation or inside the experience. And his his comment to me was there are two different perspectives on the same kind of experience when the mind is balanced and has has, um, a skillful relationship to the experience. He said at times the mind is interested in the fact that there's a difference between the object and the knowing of the object so every experience comes with the with the something that's known and the the capacity of knowing and and these are different functions there are different different things happening and so that the mind can notice that there's a difference between them and he said when the mind is interested in the difference it will experience things as if there is a separation The mind is interested in recognizing there's knowing and the known. So it feels like there's a separation. He said the other is is, um, when the mind is recognizing that that knowing and the known are happening at the same time. So it's more interested in the simultaneity of the experience. And yet for me it, it is useful to play with that language at times and sometimes to explore this possibility of being with, to me, has, has helped to land me in, um, in a less, um, uh, maybe in a more visceral experience and a less cognitive experience. So there's, there's two words that Bhikkhu Bodhi uses around different aspects of experience, the cognitive and the conative. The cognitive is the, the capacity of our mind to language and know things through concept and thought. And the conative is the capacity of our mind to know things through sensing. And so the... the um, the being with takes me kind of into that space of the sensing realm a little bit more. So I just wanted to offer that because I have found that the how I language it, or if I'm even just, even just kind of remind myself, can I be with this? It can sometimes support that shift to the more a visceral, sensation quality and that includes sensing the mind that includes sensing what's happening mentally okay (laughs) Hmm, let's i've said a lot that i wanted to record and didn't so we'll do this one so the mind does have the capacity to do both of these of of the witnessing the looking at and the being with in a non reactive way i mean it's it, neither one has to be um, connected with any kind of of um, selfing or doing um, both can be <laughs> connected with selfing or doing or a relationship of of greed aversion or delusion um, But there's often what seems to happen with people in practice is whatever the first time that people really land in that non-reactive space, it's probably got one of these two qualities. It may have a quality of this witnessing or it may have this quality of immersion and being inside of it. And what seems to happen is that that first kind of experience becomes the orientation it becomes what people think is oh that's what it's supposed to be like that's what i'm supposed to do and um and then they start looking for that or you know you might stumble into the other experience and and think this isn't right (laughs) It's, this doesn't have that quality of separation or this isn't right this doesn't have that quality of immersion there's how can I get to that other state and so just our mind can do so many so many things around uh, what we first kind of recognize as a, as a kind of a clear sense of being present both can have that clear sense of being present and so I just really like to encourage people to, to recognize that they both are possible and need, and both can be with this quality of equanimity, of okayness. Um, and so if you have a tendency to have that witnessing, then occasionally checking in, when that witnessing is 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 present, then, you know, oh, and can I be with this? Just, you know, just to explore that as a possibility, or vice versa. If you have the tendency towards the, the kind of the more immersive, hmm, can I... Can I can I know that this distinction between object and knowing? So, it just a, it's just a, a pointing to the the different ways that it can feel to be mindful at different times. So, yeah, yeah, Wendy. Oh, good. <laughs> let's record this part. I don't remember if this was recorded before. <laughs> so, in terms of looking at belief in this in this. Um, case that we're talking about in this thing in this instance we're talking about now looking at beliefs around um um something that is um a, a very strong um identity um to to um Often, often in seeing some of those beliefs we see underneath, I mean, we, we, when they come to the surface, when we see them, when we see the belief itself, we see that, I don't really believe this cognitively. I mean, I know that this is just, this is just not true. But there's something underneath that kind of emotionally believes it. Um, I often encourage people not to try to convince yourself to not believe it because of that emotional component. If we, if we try to tell, your, tell ourselves, you know, no, this is not true, this is not true, whatever that emotional thing is, is just going to get stronger. And so that's a piece to, to just look for, you know, when we recognize, oh, this isn't true, we may try to convince ourselves to not believe it. Um, but what I find is most helpful, and, and I'll let you speak in a moment about, that, about how you're exploring this, um, is to explore okay, this is what it feels like to believe this. This is being believed right now. And this is the experience of believing it. So to touch into that more emotional side of it, and and there's probably more layers actually under it, more um, uh, feelings of, they're, they're, my guess is there's some emotions there, and then maybe some more beliefs under there. But, but I, from what I'm hearing, there's probably an emotional layer there that goes way back. Um, and so, to, to really allow, uh, you know, the, the the allowing side of this, uh, it takes so much courage. Oh my God, it takes so much courage to allow these really deep patterns to just be seen in some ways they just really want to be seen and to let them be fully seen it can be threatening because we kind of recognize that they've got some um you know some 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 reactivity in there and some unwholesomeness in there and yet when mindfulness is strong and this is something we need to you know learn and take care of like when mindfulness is strong Anything can be allowed and we can have a sense of confidence or trust that it will be okay that it's there. There are times when something strong comes up and it's, it's stronger than our ability to be mindful and it can kind of take us back into it. And so we need to have some discernment about when we... Um, we let ourselves really land in it with mindfulness. And, and we may need to learn the skill of touching into something. It's like, okay, yep, this is what it feels like to believe that. Oh, just, yep, I'm going to land there. And then it feels like you're, you're kind of going into the rabbit hole. It's like, okay, that's enough. I'm going to put my attention on something else. So learning the skill to touch and step away and touch and step away. Okay, Lauren. To me, oh, actually, let's record this little piece um, so, you know, in, in my early practice, really this daily life practice was my first practice. I was not interested in sitting meditation when I first started this and thought, actually, my friend who'd sent me the book told me she'd gone on a day long, and I thought she had joined a cult. I thought she'd gone off the deep end. <laughs> and, um, and yet, I was really interested in understanding my mind in daily life. And so began observing in just this way. I mean, I used these projects. My very first meditation practice was a self daily life practice retreat, looking at these kinds of things. I said, you know, switching between DOS and Windows on my computer, um, and uh, around around anger, I looked at um, I looked at anger, and uh, this is going to be an abbreviated version of this story. Um, and over time, I began to see that the mind could be mu- much more able to be with it earlier. It wasn't getting quite so um, um, out of control. And then one day, um, I was in my kitchen. And, you know, I wasn't trying to be mindful. I didn't even think I was really aware of, of like, I wasn't, I mean, there was a kind of a base mindfulness there, but it was, wasn't really at the at the surface, um, so I wouldn't have said, oh yes, I'm mindful here. <laughs> but there was enough kind of presence and you know, not so much thought of you know anything else. I was just doing this thing. I was cutting an apple. And, and in that moment, this, and this is the piece I want to point to, is that there was a moment, as I cut the apple, I saw a thought, and something about that just really brought me into clarity of mindfulness. And for about a second or two there was really really continuous mindfulness the mind saw the 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 thought that arose in the mind recognized and this this all happened in a very short space of time it takes a while to describe but I saw the thought, a thought arise in my mind. I saw that it was uh, related to what I was doing. I was cutting an apple, and the thought had an apple or something about fruit in it, and it also had uh, the person that I was angry with in the memory, and I saw in the mind that I wasn't angry in that moment, but that the mind was kind of like really interested in getting angry at that person, um, but recognized in that moment that this is, an option, you know, that, that the mind didn't have to do that, go that direction. And, and in my experience, I didn't actually try to not do it. It was more that having experienced the anger so many times, this is the, the understanding about, yeah, anger is suffering, anger is suffering. It's like the seeing of that very clearly, the the, 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 the action, the thought, the connection of the thought with the person and the intention to get angry, the kind of movement of mind to get angry, seeing that very clearly in a little burst, a little burst there, the mind let go of that direction and just, I didn't get angry. And that was like a revelation in that moment. It was a huge, it was a huge shift for me that it was possible to not get angry when that person arose in my mind. And so what I want to really point to here is that that experience was just, a second and a half of continuity. I wasn't working really hard. I wasn't like... I had just done this kind of practice of just like noticing these things moment to moment. And at some point... Um, the, the there was it was it was conditions. I mean I can't say I was responsible for it. I mean other than supporting the conditions for mindfulness. The conditions arose for a very clear mindfulness happening in a short burst. And so sometimes we t- I talk about continuity and the power of continuity of mindfulness to reveal things very deeply. And when we we hear that we might think continuity, like days of continuity all it takes is like a second of continuity to see something very, very clearly. And so these, I call them bursts of continuity. That's my, my framing for them. But so, so this kind of thing can happen. And, and you, you mentioned seeing insights. And so this is how that happens, is that in a moment of, of you know, mindfulness arising spontaneously, there's something that's seen very clearly. And so this is, this is the power of this This kind of practice can happen right in the midst of daily life. We do not have to be sitting. So...